Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today's podcast is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline remains your number one source for all college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point over at BetOnline. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at BetOnline, which is now more important than ever with March Madness heating up. So get updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, and right on through to the Final Four and Championship game. Remember, BetOnline is your college basketball headquarters this season. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and you'll receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive that bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. Joining me to recap a very, very busy start to free agency, which hasn't even started yet, if you are listening to this on Wednesday morning. But the Falcons uh, didn't get that memo, and they have had a flurry of moves. So joining me to break that down is former Falcons fullback, Ovi Mahaley, a man who knows a little something about coming to Atlanta as a free agent. Ovi. How you doing? What'd you think of uh, of Atlanta's first couple of days? Uh, I was excited. I thought they made some really good moves, but um, some people graded us okay. Some people graded us above average. Some people said us said we had a terrible uh, free agency. Those uh, people thought start. we were going to win two games last year. So true. Don't listen Very to that. True. Movie. I, I I have to remind myself all the time that these talking heads. Uh, not <laughs> us, but but them. The rest of talking yeah, heads. You can definitely oh. see all of our bodies are just yes. just not not just above the yeah yeah the neck. So <laughs> we, we actually know what we're talking about, but they don't. So it it was interesting because I was um, pleased with the uh, some of the moves the Falcons have made. Of course, I want the big 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 splash, and I want to get Lamar. Or, you know, I want to you know get like. Uh, uh, Julius Peppers, like hands down, Khalil Mack in his prime type of edge yeah. rusher, like the best of the best. Let's steal him from somebody. I would like that, but uh, <laughs> we got money. So I understand that it's not about the flashy pick. It's about the picks that were like uh, Tyler Algiers and uh, you know, yeah. for yeah. draft wise and free agency picks that brought like solid pieces to help us get a little bit better with every single addition. So I don't think we're getting the Lamar Jackson. I don't think we're getting the flashy pick. It's not sexy, but I, I mean, we, I, I'd be wrong, but I think it's just going to be good players and really good players. We're not going to have that superstar because with Matt Ryan's contract, I'm not sure if they're going to put themselves back in that, that hole after getting all this money available. <laughs> no. And I think that is the goal here for them. Honestly, it's, I was reading um, Mike Rothstein for ESPN, who's been on this podcast before, was doing a really good breakdown of just how much money they spent in those first few moves. And uh, he calculated it as $233 million over the lifetime of the contracts given for six players. Obviously, that includes Chris Lindstrom's $105 million deal. Obviously, that includes Jesse Bates's uh, essentially like a $65 million deal. So those are two big chunks, but that shows you the amount of money that the Falcons 
were willing to throw around. And it reminded me a little bit of as a kid, you know, elementary school I'm talking about. And uh, yeah, I get into trouble every now and then. Get in timeout, you know, hey, first five minutes of recess, sitting on the curb. All right. Really cruel. I mean, back then it might as well have been the death penalty. Um, mm-hmm. When those five minutes were up and the teacher came and said, all right, go join them, go have fun. If they were playing tag, I was going to tag 15 kids. If we were playing capture the flag, nobody else was finding that flag faster than me. The energy that I kind of jumped off of the sidelines with, that's what the Falcons, I think, did in free agency. They were like, for the first time, we have some money to spend. We're getting out there and we are going to make our will happen. Um, and, And that was really exciting to see. I mean, did you expect them to do that? Or did you think that, you know, that they would spend the money, but it wouldn't just be all up front and all at once. Um, I expected them to move quickly because uh, I, I could be wrong, but these players they got could have been got by other teams. Yep, and I don't know have. how the tampering works or how early you can tell somebody, hey, I'm interested in you. I'll pay you more than everybody else. Don't go nowhere. <laughs> I don't know how much of an advance you can do that or kind of let things leak or have your friends, 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 brother, sisters, cousin tell that player, we're going to pick you. Pay mm-hmm. lots of money. But I would hate for the Falcons to have lost on the people that they knew were going to be a good fit for their club. So knowing Terry Fontenot, he's like, hey, let's let's get it. Let's get it fast. So I, I wasn't too surprised. I, now, again, I, I would have liked some like big, big, big splashes. These are very smart, calculated decisions that, yeah. uh, for the most part, I agree with. Not, not all of them am I thrilled about, but uh, I think that Terry Fontenot did what Terry Fontenot does, which is to make sure that he puts us in a position to win. Yes. And that was another thing that, that Mike touched on in his piece was that the Falcons have said time and again, they want to be ultra sure about the players they are giving this money to. Right. Yeah. Because there, there are two types of evaluation periods for NFL teams. The draft gets a whole lot of attention. We talk all about the, the pros, the cons. Mm. We pick apart young college kids like it's a meat market. And it's yep. honestly, in a lot of ways, not fair, honestly, in a lot of ways, kind of gross, but it's what we do. And it's these teams are making multi-million dollar decisions, but that is not even close to the types of multi-million dollar decisions that free agency is now that the rookie wage scale is in place and draft yeah. picks are a fraction of what it, it was different when, when Sam Bradford was coming Ooh. in and making $72 million without playing Insane. in an NFL snap. Right. Same. Yeah. Now days. you're handing that contract to somebody after playing their rookie deal. I mean, you know, some guys live up to that contract. Some guys justify that second contract. Some guys, they're not as hungry after that, after yeah. that main contract. You know, some guys, they trade in that nice car. They get, they get the big house. They get the third house, you know, and yeah. motivation starts to dip and they live that life a little bit. Um, but the Falcons wanted to know every single person I think that they are bringing into this building really well. And there are connections to every single player. Jesse Bates, Falcons' new uh, secondary coach, worked with him in Cincinnati. Obviously, yeah. David Onyemata, um, the uh, Kate Nellis, the Saints linebacker, both worked with Ryan Nielsen. Terry Fondo has a history there. So you're right. Terry Fondo is making very calculated additions. And that's what he did for a really long time at a high level in New Orleans. Yeah, I got no problem with uh, the decisions he's made. Uh, despite my desire to have the pizzazz and the flair and the flash and the glamour of these picks, 
I think he is um, not moved by my desires or the fans' <laughs> desires or, you know, the general population's will or Falcons fans, uh, you know, desire to have something sexy to talk about around the water cooler. He yeah. just wants to do what, what he's done for a long time. So I, I got to respect that. So let me do a brief uh, recap of the moves that Atlanta made up leading up to actually the start of free agency, which is Wednesday at, at 4 p.m. Eastern time when the new league year um, officially begins. But bright and early Monday morning, it was announced that they were trading a seventh round pick for tight end Johnu Smith, who Arthur Smith worked with in Tennessee as both the offensive coordinator and the position coach. So you mm. know that there's that connection there. Oh, yeah. They then signed Chris Lindstrom to a massive five-year reported $105 million um, extension, which Ooh. would make him the highest paid uh, guard in the history of the league on a per-year basis. Really? Yep. He gave really. him that money? They did. They did. Wow. Yep, they did. Wow. So him. that's a huge move. After that move, they still had a couple more left in the chamber. Defensive tackle David Onyemata coming over from New Orleans as a free agent on a reported three-year $35 million deal with about $25 million guaranteed on that. And then the biggest move Monday, Jesse Bates, safety, considered maybe the top safety in, in free agency, comes over on a four-year deal reportedly worth $64.02 million. That O is important, Ovi, because we're talking tens and hundreds of percentages here. <laughs> I am just killing time as I'm thinking about what I'm going to say next. So then they got Caden Ellis, as I mentioned, the uh, Saints linebacker. Connection there. Resigned Bradley Pinion, resigned Keith Smith, keeping them both in the fold. And then Tuesday morning, it was announced that they were going to sign quarterback Taylor Heineke, who was with the Washington Commanders and previously the Carolina Panthers. So their quarterback, their backup quarterback, because they have stated Desmond Ritter going to get a nice little look as the starter. And now we believe that to be true. Of all of those, all those moves, is there any one big reaction you have? I mean, it seemed like the Chris Lindstrom. Uh, news hit you pretty hard there. Yeah, I mean, I I, I knew they, they paid him well. I just didn't know they paid him the highest. But <laughs> what I've realized, because, you know, I had the moniker of the highest paid fullback in NFL history back in 2007. Hell yeah, which actually stuck for a very long time. There there was eight, nine, ten, eleven. Like, there was – fullbacks weren't making $3 million a year back in the day. And I think I talked about it in the previous podcast, like, 2023, the second highest paid fullback is making $3 million. So, so what? Yeah. Uh, it, it was nice, but someone was like, "Yeah, of course you're the highest paid because they raise the cap every year, and there's more money to be paid. <laughs> so if they pay you, you know, it's, you're going to be the highest paid every free agency period." I'm like, "Oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. Like, they had more money this year than last year, so the highest paid guy last year. So I, it's not like it, it's very important, it's very big, but they. But that's the way the it, league goes. Yeah, that's that's the way the league goes, and every year there's yeah. the highest pay, but he's earned it. I mean, we talked about yep. what, what he's done um, with McGarity uh, and, and how those two have just been two Viking warriors. I love it. I love <laughs> not letting somebody who's shown they could grow, that they could, you know, create new skills and that they can get the job done go. Because that would it always boggled my mind how uh, I guess Dimitrov wins with the Patriots a couple times with the Falcons. He let good players go saying, oh, there's a good one coming down the pipeline. There's we'll get well, next time, and that's not always the case. And if yeah. you got something good, especially you got somebody who has that chemistry and fits your system, don't let him go. Don't let him be. Don't be outbid by some other team. So I, I love that they are keeping Chris Lindstrom. That is a huge amount. Uh, 
hats off to the boy. Again, I, I know what it feels like to uh, be a free agency and to be blessed to be, you know, that uh, uh, moniker of highest paid. But now you got to live up to it. Yeah, this is yeah. just like I did. Yeah, and it was tough the first year because we didn't run the ball and Michael Vick had his uh, dog issues and he won four games and so I was on the sideline. But uh, true, Lindstrom is going to get every opportunity <laughs> to earn that paycheck. So uh, I'm excited for that. Yeah, it's it's really well deserved. And again, it it's kind of a testament to the contracts they've given out so far. Jake Matthews, Grady Jarrett, Chris Lindstrom. Those are three kind of pillars, both on and off the field. So yeah. they yeah. are rewarding the guys who are doing things the right way in all facets of their professional lives, not just, you know, falling out on the field mm. and then being a disruption behind the scenes. So they really are kind of so far walking the uh, the walk that they are talking. Um, we're going to kind of go a little bit more in depth into some of these signings. But as we stick to some of this overall stuff, you have a, a letter grade. You mentioned some of the other publications, the talking heads out there who were lukewarm. So what would Ovi grade uh, the, the move so far as free agency is set to officially begin for Atlanta? Again, um, Ovi is obviously a little biased because I'm a Falcons <laughs> fan and Falcons player. You're allowed so. to be biased here, Ovi. If nobody yeah, told you. so I, I, would, I would love to give him, you know, an, an A, but I, I'm not Terry Fontenot. So I, Ovi Mahaley, I wanted... Lamar Jackson, really, really, really bad. Love Desmond Ritter, but I feel like it's hogwash. We can get to that later about no one paying for Lamar. Like you're going to pay for this guy, that guy, Daniel Jones, and you know, and Deshaun Watson and Lamar. No one wants him. Like I'm not a conspiracy theorist guy, but you know, I, I read you know the twitters and I read the blogs, and I just it doesn't sit right with me. Being a former Raven, so I was just like, the Falcons are getting Lamar Jackson, and when I didn't see that happen. I'm like Heineke, not Lamar. That that's what you feel like is good. Like you want to be smart, but you also want to put us in position to win for years and years, and years to come. I think Lamar would have done that. So uh, personally, I give him a B plus just because they didn't go flashy enough with the most important position in the NFL, which was the quarterback. And Desmond Ritter, he'll be good, but he'll be like a. Joe Flacco type of good uh, that will hopefully not mess up and our defense will win us games. See, that's the thing. Our defense still isn't the point <laughs> where, uh, where Ray Lewis and the Ravens defense is to win games. So you need a guy that can create plays and, and you know make things happen. And again, I think Ritter will get better. Will he get better to Lamar Jackson? Absolutely not. There, there is no. It's not going to be the MVP of of any league, maybe the XFL, but not be the MVP of the NFL. When you have a guy that can be the MVP of the, of the, of the league and you're like, nah, he's too much money. I understand you don't want to have a Matt Ryan situation, but with this guy and with his desire and drive to make a difference and to show not only the Ravens, but everybody else that you guys made a mistake by not making me one of the highest paid quarterbacks out there because I can do what Patrick Mahomes did. I can do what Josh Allen does. If you give me the support, there's all these uh, expert analytics that show that he doesn't have the receivers. He doesn't have the the help. He doesn't have the line that other players have. You're paying Daniel Jones. Look, look, I'll get on my soapbox for a while, but <laughs> but that, that's one of the big reasons why I'll give him a, a B 
B plus for being nice rather than the A that that some Falcons fans are giving them because they think everything they do is gold. And they have to, that they made some lot of great moves, but that's one that drops them down a little grade. I think that's uh, a very compelling argument for the the case to to bring in Lamar Jackson. So I commend you on that because I do know there was a large subsection, and and we'll we'll go ahead and just let's get the Taylor Heineke. Let's stick to the quarterback thing here. I for the yeah. record. I think I would give Atlanta an A minus. I think they could still add a another type of weapon on this offense, but they may just not be interested in that. And they yeah. honestly now have kind of like three tight ends because you can you can consider Drake London a tight end just as much as you consider Kyle Pitts a wide receiver. Like it's all interchangeable, and Jonu Smith fits into that trio now. So like I I like what they're doing on offense, but I would love for them to add a Kadarius Tony type. Or like a whole yeah. Hardman, like that type of player, and I think they could still do that, um, but they haven't yet, and so that's that's why I give them an A minus. Um, but the quarterback situation, you mentioned how Lamar, you know, you need talent around him. I think that the simple fact of signing Lamar and taking on that contract. It doesn't necessarily fully prohibit you, but the fact that he wants as much guaranteed money as he does kind of true makes it difficult in the future to maneuver that contract to kind of get some of that later on leverage that teams like to create in some of these massive quarterback contracts because you can convert the money. But when it's all guaranteed and it's all, you know, wrapped up that way, like that becomes a little bit harder to do. So I just wonder if the Falcons felt that their roster overall was not in a spot where adding, yes, a player of that caliber, it probably doesn't get you over the finish line because you're starting at the starting gates. Like you're not a roster that's already halfway and it's you over the top because they're, they probably aren't getting Jesse Bates or they're not extending Chris Lindstrom and signing David Onyemata. Like these moves that are more about kind of quantity and quality I don't think yeah. it happen in the same way if you just add one superstar player, even one as dynamic as Lamar Jackson, who could probably break every rushing record for an NFL quarterback that he's set yeah. like over and over and over again next year in this offense. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, uh, you, you had a, com- a compelling counter argument. I've heard <laughs> it before, and I, I even said it before if we actually started that. Lamar's issue was that, or Lamar fans, that he didn't have enough help in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. If you come to Atlanta, <laughs> we definitely got some, we, some weapons. We, yeah, you have some weapons, but we're not stacked, and, and we don't have that. You know, the defense the Ravens have, you know, typically right. had. Yep. It's it's kind of faded uh, recently, but we don't have that that defense to where we can just shut people out and let Lamar do his thing. Now we we have a run game. We have a hell of a run game with Algiers and. You know, Lamar would just add to that, but the contract and the the guaranteed money it kind of changes things and the flexibility of, you know, Tom Brady having all that money, but still moving pieces around to get just enough for him to win Super Bowl yeah. after Super Bowl after Super Bowl, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, <laughs> but no, I, I I want Lamar, but the responsible thing to do is to make sure we fill in all the other gaps and my, you know, my boy Jesse Bates, Wake Forest alumni, would not be here if we got a contract like Lamar. So I, I hear you. I do hear you. But it's Chris Heineke. That that was the best. I mean, <laughs> Taylor Heineke. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I Taylor Heineke. Heineke. 
Chris yeah. Winkie. That's it, your thing. Uh, yeah, Chris Winkie, Taylor Heineke. I, I that was the best you can do. Like, and because backups are important. Quarterbacks get hurt, and you got to go to this number two to win a game, or to go two or three games and win at least two out of three. Or, and I just don't know if Heineken could do it. I, I've, I've never been like, oh my gosh, Heineke is crushing it. He's killing it. He's yeah. I, he's had flashes. I guess that's why he's a backup. Uh, but right. I, and I, it's funny because the more I. I once we started seeing the teams who were linked to the guys like Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, and they started actually going off the board and being signed, I was, I was just wondering what the Falcons were, were doing. What was their plan at quarterback? And then I started thinking about how Gardner Minshew and could they be interested in a player like that? You know, somebody who is a bit erratic when things break down, but in that erratic uh, nature kind of lies beauty and potential. And Taylor Heineke, I think is a little bit of the same way. Sure. He's got some Brett Favre gunslinger in him. That's going to get you in trouble. But I kind of think that the moment that they saw Marcus Mariota try to throw a football while being slung to the dirt, like he's Patrick Mahomes and had literally the opposite outcome happen instead of him putting the ball on the money. He threw like a duck four yards behind him. Um, yeah. Once they saw that, I think Arthur Smith realized, look, our quarterback needs to at least be able to make plays out of the structure of this play that we have designed because they do want to make defenses pay downfield. And even a bad player, a busted play that ends up even in an incompletion on a 26 yard throw down the field, that shows the defense that, hey, at all times we can stress you deep, even if our play breaks down. And I just yeah. think that Marcus Mariota started out early on kind of doing that. But we heard in training camp, Arthur Smith say about both quarterbacks, I want him to throw a deep more. I want them to be aggressive. Taylor Heineke is going to be aggressive. He still brings sure. some mobility. He's also worked his way up. He's worked for everything that he's gotten in this league. And he's stuck around this league kind of because of that work ethic. It is mm -hmm. one of the things that everywhere he's been, his teammates have loved him and raved about him. So that's another locker room culture kind of fit. True. But I also think that talking to some people, you know, connected to the Falcons, one of the things about Desmond Ritter is that competitive nature, the drive and desire to, to be great is like one of the things that they really like about him and why they're willing to give him, you know, a real shot at this. Taylor Heineke like, could speak yeah. that mindset a little bit. I think they talk the same language when it comes to, hey man, yeah, you got to work a certain way to make it in this league. So that's exciting. I mean, ultimately time will tell, like I'm not here to defend Taylor Heineke. That's not my job, but I just always try to make sense of, you know, the team obviously made the move. They believe in him. So what yeah. could be the reasons for that? And yep. at this point in time, like that's what I got. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not bad. I, I just, you know, again, going to some of my uh, biases, uh, I've always been a Jameis Winston fan. Love Jameis Winston. Interesting. Saw him, okay. Saw him. Uh, I always feel like he's got just a raw deal um, nine out of ten times where freaking. So was it the Florida State? Like, was it his freshman year at Florida well, State or, or what was I, it for I, you? you know, I, I I just love the fact that people really crapped all over his career and every time, almost every time he got a chance to show people that, yo, I can be a quarterback in this league, he's doing it. And they if they, they compared like his touchdown interception ratio to Brett Favre's and Peyton Manning because they're like, oh my God, he throws so many interceptions. The greats threw a lot of interceptions because they're throwing the ball. They're, they're gunslingers. But he has enough talent to where 
he can be a starter somewhere in this league. Yeah. And so getting him at the around the same amount of money you paid Heineke and he's resigned with the Saints, getting him to come over here as a backup, I think would have been great for Ritter just because I feel like you know, Heineke's mobile. Jameis is a little more mobile. And I feel like You think so? I disagree on that. I think Jameis like is just, he's he's deceptively slow. But I've seen him scramble. He's a big he's a big guy. I've seen him scramble, guys hanging over him, able to extend the play. And uh, what was his name? Um, the guy in the New Orleans who wasn't even a quarterback, and they were starting over Jameis, like, game oh, Taysom? after game. Yeah, um, Taysom Hill. Yeah. It just, like, it hurt me watching Jameis' face with his little clipboard, sitting out there like, I'm a real freaking quarterback. And they got this, like, you know, Swiss Army knife out there starting for the middle, like, like, I can't play. Yeah. So if we had a chance to get a Jameis Winston, I think it'd be an upgrade over Heineke. But again, that's my my little bias. <laughs> All right, know. let's uh, let's pivot away from the quarterbacks here and kind of get to some of the other positions. We're going to just run through um, a list of almost like superlative type questions just to, sure. to run through this. So what was the most surprising signing or move that the Falcons kind of had so far that you didn't necessarily see coming? Um. I was uh, kind of surprised that, I mean, uh, we're going to get away from the quarterback, so I'll just say one sentence. I was surprised they, got, they got Heineke, uh, that's fair. Yeah. That, that, that we didn't think that they were going to give Devin Ritter like all the reins, and they pretty much said, hey, it's your show. Let's go. I'm like, wow, like it's, it's really happening. It's going to be the Desmond Ritter show from, for all intents and purposes. So that was a surprise. There you go. It makes sense, and, and we just uh, talked all about it. So. Mine was Caden Ellis, the the linebacker who, you know, I was mentioning to you a little bit uh, right before we recorded and how he has every year gotten better with increased snap counts, especially this last year. He played, um, you know, the highest percentage of snaps by far that he has uh, in his entire career. But watching him, he's a high energy player. He plays with his hair on fire and he's Mm -hmm. incredibly slippery as a, a pass rusher. I believe he had six or seven sacks last year um, and really kind of has nice bend and, and moves through the a gap around the edge. Um, he was sixth in pass rush uh, in uh, his pass rush or his overall defensive grade, according to pro football focus um, among kind of qualifying linebackers last year. So that shows again, just this under the radar type of player that Terry Fontenot is very good at identifying and it makes me feel so much better and more confident that it's coming from New Orleans where he, you know, directly has a little bit more knowledge of this player than somebody else. And again, Ryan Nielsen working with him directly there. They clearly believe that he is on the verge of really justifying this this deal and signing. So it's surprising, but surprising in a good way. That's great. I like it. All right. Well, let's uh, move on to the next one. What was the biggest kind of no brainer in your opinion? Obviously, if if there was like a big edge rusher that the Falcons signed, you mentioned Julius Peppers. If they had signed a 28 year old Julius Peppers, I think that's what I'm looking for in yeah. uh, in this question here. Yeah, uh, I, I wish that happened. But the uh, we talked about it earlier as well. But the biggest no brainer I thought was Chris Lindstrom. And just because you have a amazing talent and our office line has been like patchwork couple of years ago and recently it's been solidified we used to talk about all the time it's porous matt ryan's running for his life and we can't run the ball since obi mahaley left and you know everyone's <laughs> talking about just how <laughs> the whole line is 
not what an O-line needs to be if we want to dominate on the run and protect our quarterback. Uh, Lindstrom is a big part of changing that narrative. And so the biggest no-brainer is like, keep the guy who's probably even going to get better than he is now a part of the the Falcons and hopefully a Falcon for life. So that was a smart move they made. I have the same thing written down. I could not agree with you more. It was really ever since Tyson Claybo, uh, Harvey Dahl, like those guys, they moved on from him. Uh, Signing Andy Levitri kind of remedied that, but like he's been the only standout guard that the Falcons had during that era. And Chris Lindstrom has come in here and just no questions at right guard since he's been here. And as I mentioned, does everything kind of the right way on and off the field. I saw that he didn't have his first holding penalty until his fourth NFL season. That's insane. I would be telling everybody about that if that was me. Yeah. <laughs> I have a whole first holding penalty, like the, the, the fourth play into my Falcon career. I was like, oh, God, just slow down. That is, yeah. No, that, that, that's hard to do. Very that's, hard to do. That's insane. Uh, good yeah. for you, Chris Lindstrom. Um, yeah. All right, so what's the best signing, in your opinion, so far? Um, I really like Jesse Bates. Uh, Same. Same. Uh, Jesse Bates as a safety and you know, already having uh, a set out corner for, for the Falcons. I think Jesse just gives you that ability to bring everything together. I think he's a great glue guy and as a safety, just kind of linebacker and safety, like you're the quarterback of that defense. He's working with the linebacker to call out the plays and get everyone positioned. And I think it's going to make us a lot more dangerous when it comes to the turnover game. And we'll be able to well, he has the intelligence to make the right decisions, no one to press, no one to take chances. Yes. Some uh, players, I was watching Hard Knocks, the Arizona version, uh, the end of mm. season Hard Knocks, and yeah. there was a big conversation about being comfortable enough to not play, not to lose. And as a DB, it takes a lot of moxie to jump routes because if you mess up, it's over. <laughs> it takes a lot of moxie to, you know, kind of, not freelance, but know when to do your own thing and be able to replays and adjust during the yep. uh, during the game. That's what Jesse Bates does. A lot of the people who love him talk about his ability to adjust and to play on the fly and to work well with teammates and the all-important, uh, I think, quality of making those around you better. Yes. That's what Jesse does. And I think our DBs need that. Uh, and, you know, uh, we have our franchise player at, at DB to, to have Jesse be there side by side or, or in that same back uh, defensive backfield, it's going to make us so much better, so much better. He can lay the wood. He can uh, cover. He can do it all because he's a Wake Forest guy. <laughs> yes, he can. Oh, and and uh, I think that he is going to have such a profound impact on Richie Grant and his development. I think yeah. he's going to, you know, what you said is absolutely right. And it jumped out on film when I was just kind of watching some of uh, his games from the past couple of years to learn a little bit more about him. He erases the mistakes of others and the best mm. players in the league, especially the best safeties, do that. But you think back to a guy like Luke Keekley or somebody, you know, who's preternatural instincts and just knowing where the play's going. Yeah. If they can get that half second head start, that kind of is a trump card for any athleticism that you have. Because you can negate, you know, think about the difference in a in a four five and a five flat. That yeah. half second that you gain just because you can read a play from this from the jump or you've studied enough to know just the tendencies and what like players can come about it in different ways. But Jesse Bates has that ability. However, he gets to it, whether it's just in-game intelligence, uh, you know, pregame study habits, what have you. He jumps routes really well. He navigates traffic 
like he's the slipperiest safety. And so that is a big thing that I know when Ryan Nielsen was talking about uh, kind of what interested him with Arthur Smith and, and why he wanted to come to Atlanta. He said that Arthur Smith kind of wants to defend the run from pass first defensive looks like he wants to be in a position where the defense is geared to really take away the pass, but that they can still defend the run with their personnel and mm-hmm. kind of be in those positions. And Jesse Bates is a great example of how you can do that because oh, yeah. he is an amazing run defender from the free safety position. So not only is he a great center field player with 14 interceptions since he entered the league, so he's a great ball hawk with instincts that, that you just talked about, but he also can be a big asset in the run defense, and the Falcons need that because they were a really bad tackling team last year. Uh, yeah, I don't know yeah. if you saw it, but they were really bad. Um, so could not yeah. agree with you more. He was the captain of the, of the Bengals defense. I would not be surprised at all if he slides into a similar type of role and just kind of transforms this defense. They've got a transformative player in the trenches in Grady Jarrett. Now they can get a guy on the back end to really make AJ Terrell better, make Richie Grant better, get this thing going where they want it to go on the back end. So he's still young. This like, it's a home run signing. It's it's one of the better signings the Falcons have had. So uh, we'll go from all of that excitement to what is your favorite move so far? And it's, it's okay if it's the same thing or if you have something different. Uh, I'm a fullback. We got Keith Smith back. Oh uh, yeah, didn't see this one coming. Let's go for one year. No, uh, that that's my you know hometown favorite. Uh, I sat with Keith uh, during the Walter Payton Man of the Year event and uh, connected nice. with them. It, it was it was real fun. Uh, but I, I like the Keith Smith pick. He's he's real good. But um, I'm kind of torn. Uh, Jesse Bates. It, it, that Chris Lindstrom, they they both were were good ones. I think uh, Janu Smith is a a, a sneaky um, strong pick because I think he's better at blocking the people to give him credit for as a tight end. We I mean, we got our uh, big flashy uh, tight end that can play as a wide receiver, score touchdowns, having somebody who can move defensive ends off the ball and still be able to leak out and and uh, catch a ball and except like working with those two. I've seen very average, mediocre tight ends work within a Falcons offense and be great because no one thinks that they can catch the ball. Everyone's focusing on other people, and you're only good as your worst player. And having our third-string tight end be be dangerous, <laughs> catch touchdowns, be able to you know block and and assist, not have to be uh, off the field and like, oh, my gosh, they got so-so in. We're definitely not going that way. We're definitely not throwing to him. But someone who's still capable, that makes you so much more dangerous. I think John o. Smith is a is a sneaky, uh, real exciting pick because he's someone that isn't afraid to be the hero, be the star. Like you always need that 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 guy on a basketball team that oh, I think the bronze take the three, and they think you know uh, that guy's gonna take the three point. But yeah. we have a you know our, our third, fourth best guy can still make threes. Like John o. Smith can still catch touchdowns. He can still get open. He can still ha- have enough. Uh, route running ability to put us in position to win. So I, I think he's going to be six, seven, eight games into the season. Like, wow, this guy was, you know, not the, the biggest pick we had, but he is a very powerful pick when it comes to helping us win. You're saying Johnny Smith is uh, is Chris Bosh? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, because yeah, Chris, <laughs> Chris Bosh is, everyone's like, that's yeah, they're a trio, but he's not the guy who's going to be this. And then nah, yeah. several times, Chris Bosch had key plays. I think John Smith could be that guy. 
There you go. I like it. Um, no, I, I as I again was watching him, I, I wrote down just the synopsis. They really got him for two reasons for Desmond Ritter. He is an awesome security check down blanket who can make things happen after the catch. Yeah, like he he's a nice athlete in in space. Um, and he's a big body dude over the middle. And yeah. Kyle Pitts is long and he's a little bit like the shadow Mikey. monster from Stranger Things. Like, yes, he's he's got all that length and stuff, but he's not necessarily like a big over so the middle. Mass, kind of yeah. He's a wide receiver. Like he's a he's a, essentially that hybrid type of player. Same with Drake London, although Drake London can be tough over the middle. But I think Johnny Smith is a big body over the middle, can take a hit, can make the high point catch if Desmond mm-hmm. Ritter's a little off target, will fight for the ball. Um, and prevent interceptions, things like that. But then he's also really good on these slip screens on kind of getting lost in the shuffle and then popping out the other end at checkdowns. They can run these level concepts. So Jonu Smith is huge. He is my answer um, for that question. Really quick, yeah. David Onyemata, because we I just want to talk briefly about him. He's sure. very similar to the type of player Grady Jarrett is. Um, he can be that one gapping three technique. I think they're going to maybe... I mean, obviously, they're going to move both guys around. Taquan Graham is going to factor in there as well, but they're all kind of the same type of player to me. I think it's easier in today's game to find a one technique for a one-year, $3 million deal. Like, you're coming in here just to stop the run. Guys aren't getting paid to do that anymore. Like, you you get paid to rush the passer. So I think they were like, let's go get another quality interior pass rusher. We can have three if injuries happen. That takes care of some of the depth. Or we can rotate them out and keep them fresh. And then we'll go get our big run stoppers and before training camp and see what we have and, and work through it that way. But yeah. David Onyemata is, is another high IQ player. Um, really, really good at diagnosing what's happening behind the line of scrimmage. Plays hard, kind of explodes out of his stance. Strong. Um, I like it. I think he's a high floor guy. The Falcons just need more players who do the little things well on defense. Mm. And he does that. So I know he's a former Saint. Getting a lot of former Saints over here in, in Atlanta. Yep. It's yeah, uh, it's to be expected. They're coming uh, marching in, Ovi. Yeah, uh, it's it's to be expected. And we talked about this before. Grady Jarrett needs help. Grady yes. Jarrett can't be Grady Jarrett trying to fight two, three guys every single time and ha- not having that big space eater. Um, you know, Ray Lewis talked about back in the day when I played with him how Tony Saragusa and you know some of these uh, Haloti Nada, some of these you know big D tackles that he played with, they made him Ray Lewis. He's like, if I didn't have D tackles that could swallow up, you know, two offense linemen almost every single play, I couldn't move around. And it wasn't just one of them. It was always two or three on that four defensive line. We need more than Grady. We've had some guys have flashes, but to have a consistently dominant defensive tackle to play next to Grady hasn't been something we've had. And I think Onyemata can can be a big step in that direction. Hopefully all of these guys uh, help the Falcons take a huge step in the right direction. But honestly, what more could you ask for so far with without free agency even starting? It is set to begin later today again as this goes up Wednesday morning. But I get the feeling this is just the beginning. Um, We've got a long way to go between the rest of free agency and the draft. So still need an edge rusher. Another corner would be really nice. You know, wide receivers help kind of you can see the parts that they need to flesh out. but. I think we both feel they've done a pretty rock solid job up to this point. Absolutely. No, again, um, I gave it a B plus because of Lamar, but you know, if I'm being honest, uh, A minus is close to where they're at. So uh Terry Fontenot, met him in person, 
He's promised to be on the, on the show about a year ago. We'll, we'll get him <laughs> one day. But uh, he's done a, a heck of a job. I, I'm, I'm really excited about the IQ level of our GM. Um, not to say anything there about you go. Old GM, Slattery but, trying to get him on really hard. Yeah, there you I go. Love it. The IQ level is high, and we're going to be good. Like, you know, hell or high water, we're, we're going to be good if we just keep on getting better. Because plus win two games last year, one, you know, a lot more than that. This year, hopefully, we'll, they'll pick us for more than two. I feel like we can be a playoff team this year if everything comes together with all the money we have to spend. Like, that's the goal. If we don't get to the playoffs, people aren't going to be, oh, well, we got close. No, we need to get to the playoffs this year. We need to put a team together and see what our boy Desmond Ritter can do. Uh, it's going to be very, very, very exciting to see how Ritter is going to take this role of a – QB one for the whole season. I think him having the whole practice, all the practice reps, him having the lead up with mini camp and training camp and uh, OTAs, it's going to do wonders for his confidence and for his accuracy. So uh, I'm I'm feeling good. Again, we have to talk ourselves into feeling good every season. Just our <laughs> third season of this podcast. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Our man. third season. Wow, coming Goodness up on our gracious. third draft. Yep. Oh wow. Man, so yeah, I, uh, I I'm excited to see what's gonna happen. And we, we we say we're excited every year, um, but I mean, this year really, actually, I don't well, know this, if we were, this like, year we're not lying, right? I mean, this, this year, <laughs> there, there, there you go. Yeah, you know, this year we're we're not, you know, uh, being uh, too too nice about how excited we are. It, it actually is honest excitement. But yeah. I was intrigued to see what a non-Matt Ryan-led team would look like. So we, we were very, you know, excited to see what would happen because we're like, all right, there's no Matt Ryan. There's been Matt Ryan every year, right. all yep. the time. How's this Marcus Mariota guy going to work and Desmond Ritter guy going to be? So, uh, But no, I, I think there's a lot of moving parts that are going to end up helping us win. Yes, and it feels like those parts are helping them definitely move in the right direction. Uh, I hope that happens sooner rather than later. But again... Uh, like, I get the sense that it is. I, I agree with you. I, you know, maybe if we call him smart uh, one more time, Terry Fondo will come on this podcast. Uh, come on this podcast, Terry. Uh, maybe Ovi will then officially make his letter grade B and A. I don't know. Maybe. You can probably pressure him into it. Um, but so far, so good uh, on our end. We we like what the Falcons are doing um, and we can't wait to see what what they continue to do. So thank you guys so much for listening. Ovi, thank you for joining me. Uh, please follow Ovi on Twitter at Ovi Mihaly. 34. You can follow me on Twitter at Will McFadden. Uh, let everybody know if you like the show, where they can find us, which is your preferred podcast platform. Um, as always, today's podcast was presented by Bet Online. That will do it for us today. But who knows? Maybe back at any point this week, if another major move happens for Atlanta, get you a quick reaction. At the very least, be back next Wednesday. So stay on the lookout for that. Until then, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.